Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Chelsea Austin. She runs the blog The Girl with Five Names. She's got a podcast called Worthiness Wears, and she has a brand new book coming out. Well, I say brand new. It comes out in May 2022, but you can always get your pre-order on Inexplicably Me and just a delightful human being to be around. She grew up with two fathers who are biologically related to her, a big supporter of the LGBTQ plus community, and really about just identifying and discovering your self-worth and not letting other people get you down and knowing that you are fantastic and have lots of good stuff to offer the world. So we're going to talk about how to discover that, how you can unlock that, how you can get out of any ruts that you've been in. We know, obviously, the pandemic has impacted us quite a bit. I've been in some ruts for sure. I know my couch would agree there is quite the groove going on from sitting there. I mean, you know, a lot over the past year and a half. But we've got lots of inspirational messages and ideas to get you out of that rut here. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out via joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. Also, always appreciate a five-star review. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, really anything that lets you leave a review. Say, hey, I enjoyed this. This was a good time. It wasn't a bad time. It was a good time. You can probably write something more creative than that, but the sentiment is there to share the show, help more people hear it. Because if you're getting value out of it, other people will as well. So always appreciate any kind of shout-outs you can do there. Also appreciate if you head on over to the merch store and you see something that you like, wear it. Because listening to a podcast while you're wearing merchandise from the podcast, scientifically proven to be 43% more enjoyable, the episode. So rock that merch, listen up, and know that I'm not a scientist, so those claims aren't actually true. But it looks good, so... You might as well do it. Now let's hop into this conversation with Chelsea. For people who don't know who Chelsea Austin is, can you give us your elevator pitch, but also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on? Mm, that's a fun one. Well, um, I I would say today I'm we're barbecuing with the family, so I feel like I'm I'm in a some kind of smoking barbecue elevator here. <laughs> no, it's very tasty in here. Um, but uh, yeah, and and nice and and sweaty too. We were just before we started recording, we were talking about how it's quite warm out where we both are. <laughs> so I feel like it's a little hot and sweaty. I'm ready to get out of this elevator. So I'll make the pitch quick. Um, I am Chelsea. I have two gay dads. I was born in 1993. So I'm on the older side of children of gay parents. And I've kind of used my story about um, being raised by two gay men that I'm both biologically related to and all of the amazing and sometimes scary and overwhelming, but ultimately incredible things that have happened in my life to build a platform of spreading love and acceptance and tolerance and advocating for my own and others' self-worth. Because I feel like we could all use a little more self-worth at times since it is not a fixed point. And I have a podcast, a blog, my book is coming out in May of 22. And I just spend my time creating lots of fun things that make me and other people feel good, I hope. And um, I always say my goal is that when I kind of encapsulate an interaction with someone, I hope they feel more loved at the end of that interaction than they did at the beginning. And that is what I hope my brand can create. So that is that is me in a nutshell. Fantastic. And we're going to get into all of that as well. I'm just like looking through all the questions I had. I'm like, you're checking these all off. So I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> we're getting through it. And a very topical elevator as well because you're barbecuing over there i had barbecue for breakfast i'll oh, give yes. a shout out to an, an austin hotspot valentina's tex-mex barbecue it's a big old breakfast taco with brisket and egg oh. and bacon and it's oh it's a behemoth so <laughs> still feeling a little sleepy from it and that was several hours ago <laughs> 
that's awesome. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I, I have to give out, I only have a shout out for my brother-in-law who's amazing, who's out there barbecuing currently. Um, you know, we got all the, all the different kinds of German meats. So, you know, it's a good Ooh. time. It's a good time had by all. <laughs> Are you going to be served during this podcast? That would be amazing. Um, but I've told them all to leave me alone. So uh, <laughs> they're outside eating and I will be served after this podcast that I'm, I said, it's, it's good that I won't fall asleep. I won't get the meat sweats and start uh, falling asleep while we're <laughs> recording. <laughs> that would be a first. I think we'd also, I don't know if we've really gotten to, into ASMR uh, too much on this podcast <laughs> in the past. So <laughs> could be breaking new ground, but I appreciate you. Uh, you asking them to leave you alone at least for, <laughs> for a little bit. And we're, we're of similar age. I'm a little older than you, but you mentioned that you're kind of on the older spectrum of having two gay dads. And I would agree with that. I didn't know anyone like that growing up. And I think it's even more rare because you said you're biologically related to both of them. So how has that experience shaped you? It's been a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm very grateful. I have two incredible parents. I um, And I would say that whether or not they listen to this, that they'll definitely be listening because they tune into everything. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, but, you know, it was kind of, I, I always say like, I used to feel so special and now everybody has gay dads. Um, but I, I really think I always felt like we grew up, I grew up kind of two doors down from normal. And my dad calls it the gay gift. He said the fact that he was gay growing up allowed him to say, I'm already different. So why not celebrate and live in that difference and not give a damn what anyone else thinks? And so I feel like they kind of gave me that gift too, of saying, I just get to be exactly who I want to be and use my story as a way to connect people. I. I grew up in Los Angeles, California, so I kind of lived in this bubble where I didn't face a lot of discrimination at home. Um, but you know, there I, I felt I faced other kinds of adversity. I was, you know, bullied in elementary school, never because I had gay dads, but because I was just a little bit goofy. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> um, you know, I feel like my parents. I knew I wasn't an accident. I knew I was unconditionally and deeply loved. And they allowed me to feel that love so deeply that I can now take that on and hopefully give that to other people and spread that um, gift to others. And, and it's been, you know, when I was in high school, I started advocating on behalf of LGBTQ rights because not because my parents asked me to, but because I wanted our families to have the same rights as every other family. And that kind of began my little journey down this path of self-worth and accepting of being upset, accepting of ourselves and of others. And, and that's how it all began is all because of my dad. So I'm eternally grateful. They're two of the most incredible men, barring my now husband, um, <laughs> that I, that I know. <laughs> yeah. You got to throw the husband in there too. <laughs> yeah. Can't leave him out. He's pretty spectacular himself. So <laughs> he'll also be listening and yeah, critiquing, exactly. critiquing your answers here. <laughs> oh, yeah. One, one of the ways, one of the many ways that you promote this positivity and accepting yourself, which I think, especially in this past year and a half, where we've gotten to spend more time with ourselves being oh, yeah. quarantined we can see all the various imperfections or <laughs> uh, you know, grievances we might have, either with ourselves or if we're living with people, even if we love them. They still oh, might yeah. drive us crazy sometimes, all that good stuff. So one of the ways that you uh, are helping share your message are through your blog, or I should say is through your blog, grammar, <laughs> uh, The Girl with Five Names. And when we introduced you, it was Chelsea Austin, which is only two names. So where do the yes. five names come from? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I love to throw people off a little bit with that. Um, <laughs> I just think it's a big mouthful to say I'm Chelsea Austin Montgomery Duban Vechter when I walk into a room. So I go with Chelsea Austin for brand purposes, but um, my Chelsea is my first name given to me by my parents and Austin is my middle name. I also have um, both of my parents' last names. So that's Montgomery is my dad's last name and Duban is my daddy's last name. I call them dad and daddy. And then I never thought I would want to take a spouse's name. I was positive. I was like, nope, I love my names. I want them the way they are. They will have to take Montgomery Juban. Um, and then I met this 
pretty fantastic human, my husband, Dominic. Um, and I, I identify so deeply with my names and, and labels that as labels that have been given to me, I was like, well, I want this one too. I want to be connected in this way. And so I took his last name, which is Bechter, which is very confusing for he's German. Um, and people never know which name to choose when they talk to me, but that is how I got my fifth name. And he is such an incredible human. He is also taking all three of my last names. So, um, we are both Montgomery Duban Vector. And yeah, that is how I ended up with five names and why my blog is named after all of those names. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who is half German, I appreciate the uh, the German last name, although I think Vector is maybe a, a little more difficult to pronounce than my oh, Oh, I said my my our children are just screwed because you have I was like, oh, these poor things. They have Montgomery Duban and then they have Vector. And I said, I don't know. I just said go by Montgomery if you want to, or you know, choose whatever one you want. We'll give you them all and then you take your pick. That's a that's a good way to do it, I think. So when you you're in Germany right now, so clearly you have customs to fill out. So is that do you have to request like an extra sheet to get all the letters in? <laughs> You know, when, when I was in school, I used to think that I should get extra time to write all my names <laughs> at the top. The teachers didn't quite buy that. Um, but no, I just have to write really, really tiny. I do, fun fact, bring my own pen always um, because I have these really fine little ballpoint pens I can use to write on the customs form. Otherwise, my name is just too dang long. Um, but I do leave Austin off on most of those those big forms and just, and just supplement it with an A. So that gets a little easier, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm very proud of those names. I've always been very proud of my names. I wear them like a badge. I, um, and I, I, I had, when I was talking to, um, my, my personal brand facilitator that I started working with a while ago, and she said, you know, that's a mouthful for people to pronounce that Chelsea Austin, Montgomery, Duban, Vector. And I said, well, I'm not willing to choose one or the other of my last names. And so, you know, my parents actually gave me the middle name Austin thinking if I ever wanted to drop my last names and just be Chelsea Austin, I could. It's like, it's like they knew I wanted a career in entertainment. <laughs> um, growing up in LA, I guess that's not so shocking. But, um, you know, I think I'm very, I love all my names. I take a lot of pride in them. And so it was hard for me to drop those three when creating my brand. But Chelsea Austin, I think, encapsulates who I am while also acknowledging my last names um, otherwise, I would say. Yeah. As far as the blog goes, I always like this as someone who started, I don't know, four or five blogs over the years in various states of disarray currently. Uh, but <laughs> what's what's something that surprises you about running a blog? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I... I started the blog as I was working in real estate at the time and I needed a creative outlet. I wasn't super happy in my work. I didn't feel creatively fulfilled. I'm a, by trained by full training, I have a degree in theater and dance. And so I was missing that creative outlet. And so I started the blog to give myself this kind of creative space and Something that always, I mean, always surprises me is what catches people's attention. Because I'll write a piece or film a piece for the blog and think like, eh, it was, it was good. It's definitely like a, a high quality enough that I can put out there, but I don't know that it's really going to affect anyone. And then out of the blue, I'll get this outpouring of, oh my gosh, me too. I had no idea you felt this way. And that is always so shocking to me. And also such a comfort that everything we're going through, someone else is on some level experiencing the same base um, experience, for lack of a better word, at the same time. And that's a huge comfort to me that I've found in blogging. And that's why I continue to do it because I, I love that connection with people. All right, going back to your theater degree and studying, what was your favorite performance that you put on? Oh, goodness me. Um, I, oh, I played Val in a chorus line in college Ooh. and that was one of them. That was so much fun. Cause she sings a, a song, which is entitled dance 10 looks three, but is more lovingly known as tits and ass. Um, <laughs> and that was super fun because I, 
I have neither of those. Um, and so <laughs> it was a great to kind of step out of my comfort zone and do this. I, I dyed my hair platinum blonde. Um, and that was always the most fun for me was, was to play characters that were so felt so vastly different from myself, but also at their very core had something I could relate to. And I just, I loved her. She's, I, I she was, Val is so brazen and I have always dreamed of being that brazen. Um, and so that I think is probably my favorite part I've ever played. Oh yeah. There are some good ones, but I think that's my favorite. We might have to ask you to dig up an old photo of that. Cause I always love a good platinum blonde hair dye. <laughs> I've never been brave enough to pull it off myself, but oh, I always admire it. It was something it took, I think I have very dark brown hair and it took about eight hours and it was, it was actually quite painful, <laughs> the amount of bleach that was in there. Um, but I will, I can dig up a photo for you. That's for sure. It was a, it was a good time. I definitely enjoyed <laughs> it because there, there also aren't a ton of like curly haired blondes walking around. So I felt like I came back to school after dying and people were like, Whoa, who is that? And I was like, okay, I guess blondes might have a little more fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good, good taste of it. And- yeah. Something else that you said that I think is a a good sort of distinction, I guess, of how blogging and creative, um, really any kind of creative field is going is you said that sometimes you're writing posts, sometimes you're shooting posts. And I mean, just looking at some of the popular platforms right now, Instagram's basically trying to be TikTok. TikTok is suddenly trying to be YouTube with these longer form videos. YouTube is Google now. And that it's like the number two SEO, which is just a, a, all coming back to video. And that video content is being promoted by all these platforms. It's what people like watching. I still love a good read, but sometimes it's like, you know what? I do want to watch a video. And I think it's easier to convey that information that way. Yeah. So what's your video setup like? Mm, that's a great question. You know, I, yeah, it's so true. I can't keep up with all of, I feel like a grandma in the social media world, which is why I get a lot of help because I am so somewhat useless. Um, but I have a pretty basic setup actually, which I always say, it's like, if you want to do this, you can really make it happen however you want to. I don't have a very fancy camera. I film all of my material on my iPhone. Um, I have a nice circle light because, you know, everybody needs a good circle light. And it, it's the setup changes depending on where I I am usually in my house. I mean, we've been in our houses for a while now. I haven't actually gone anywhere new to record. So I'm usually sitting in my bedroom in a blue chair, um, my comfy, cozy spot. And I have my circle light and my phone. And that's really my setup. I, I always think I, I'm not, I'm not all that fancy, um, but it works for me. And it's something that I love about starting something new. Um, when I started my blog, I guess, uh, now I can't remember two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Um, I had no, I had no conception that I would end up recording or filming, um, myself because that felt so uncomfortable. And then when I decided to, I was like, well, I'm not going to buy a bunch of fancy equipment. I'm not making any money at this right now. (laughs) So I started with just like, I guess I can do it on my phone and yeah, I get, you know, I keep up with, with the latest iPhone, but other than that, um, that's my little setup. I like it. Yeah. I think there's something, I mean, this is dating myself, but way back in, I say YouTube's early days, like 2011, 2012, uh, is is when I had more of a YouTube channel. And I remember I'd get comments from people because I had the same sort of thing I had. Um, oh, I'm going to blank on the name of it now. I think it was just called a flip cam mm-hmm. where it was like oh, yeah. one of those one of those baby tiny cameras literally flipped out a USB and you could just plug it right into your yes. laptop and oh, edit. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was like good enough quality. It certainly wasn't I, I maybe it was HD, but it you know it didn't look like some of these like 4K <laughs> things coming out now. But I'd get comments from people that were like, "Hey, like I like that this is kind of like you know DIY, sort of like a little grittier," uh, mm-hmm. which I think like I enjoy that as well. If something's like way overproduced, it can still I mean it looks phenomenal, but there's kind of like a feeling of of uh, ingenuity with it almost yes. like. Yeah. And I like the I like the authenticness. 
I know authentic I, is a word that's overused all the time, but it is. I, that. <laughs> I do too, but I love that too because it's like I just want to feel like I'm sitting with my listeners on my podcast or my viewers on my blog or on my Instagram. Like I just want to sit together and have a cup of coffee. It shouldn't, I don't want there to feel like there's this big distance between you and I, and I'm some kind of person with all this information bestowing it upon you. I find that <laughs> super obnoxious. Um, you know, I always say I, I it's not, I don't talk about self-worth because I have so much self-worth. I talk about it because I am constantly in search of it. And anything that I talk about on my blog, on my podcast, it's all, all things that I am working on currently. Um, you know, experts always say, oh, you shouldn't talk about a problem before you've learned to solve it. I'm like, eh, what the hell? Let's, let's figure it out <laughs> together. We're all in this kind of crazy world and why not take a chance and learn from each other? And so I think I love that. Like when you say authenticity, authenticity is so important to me. Um, and I think having a kind of casual, like I just throw it together. It's nothing special. It's more about how we can communicate with each other. And so I, I love that. And oh, I totally had a flip cam. I used to love that thing. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I know when mine stopped working, it was a very sad day. Yeah. yeah. It, gave a, it gave a solid like seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. When, when MacBook stopped having USB and things in the side, I was like heartbroken. Like what? Come on. Now I have to get an adapter. I'm not, that's too much work. <laughs> I know all the dongles. It's, yes. it's so frustrating owning any Apple product. I'm sure in five years, it'll just all be facial recognition. There won't even oh, be any Lord. ports for anything. You'll just think, hey, I'd like to plug in a USB now. That will. And, and it won't work. Yeah. <laughs> be, there'll be lots <laughs> of technical wild issues. Times. Yeah, lots of technical issues. When it doesn't recognize my face, I'll cry. But other than that, it'll be totally fine. <laughs> Oh, I've had that happen quite a bit. If I'm trying to do something while out in public with a mask, it's like, I can't oh. see your face. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not doing this now then. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel you. That is the, the new mask struggle is the no facial recognition on the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next update. Yes. Right. Oh, totally. Now you mentioned your podcast. It's called Worthiness Warriors. Tell us a little bit about it and what makes someone a worthy warrior? Uh, well, I would like to think that we are all worthiness warriors. We all have that um, worthiness inside of us. We sometimes just need someone to remind us that it's there. And I started the podcast because of this experience I had in high school where I had, I went to an all girls high school. Not that that really matters, but um, there's, I feel like you can envision it better when you know. Um, <laughs> I'm picturing so, dairy girls. Yeah. <laughs> But in America, yeah, we had. Oh God, yeah. It's, uh, we had. We had. You know. Oh yeah, the classic uniforms and um, and I remember sitting around a table and at lunch one day, and someone asked how much it cost for my parents to have me, and I was like, Well, I don't know. Do you ask your parents how much it costs for them to have you? And I, I said I hadn't really ever thought about it. And then I said, well, you know, but I, I think, I think it was probably expensive and, and it was, and a girl across the table looked at me and I, I mean, I can see her face. Like it was yesterday, looked me in the eye and said, well, were you worth it? And, and I got that it was a, it was meant as a joke. And I kind of giggled with everybody else because everybody else was laughing and I didn't really know what to do with that question. And, and we all just kind of moved on. And to be honest, I didn't think about that moment until years later, I was working on cultivating my self-worth. I was leaving my job in real estate and starting my blog and writing my book. And this question of self-worth, I just noticed my self-worth seemed to be in question constantly. And I didn't know why I didn't have the confidence to just go and do what I wanted to do without getting everybody's approval and having everyone say, yes, Chelsea, that's the right thing to do. And, um, and I didn't know where that was coming from. And that moment flashed in my mind and I went, Whoa, that's, that was a turning point for me. It was a moment where I really started to question, am, am I worth it? Am I worth the personal, political, social, what economical fallout that my parents had to face having a, a daughter and raising her in the 90s, 2000s, today. I'm, let's be honest, I'm 28, but my parents are right outside. They followed me to Germany, so they're never far away. Um, but was I really worth that? And that was always a 
question for me. And so I created the podcast because I wanted to know how other people find their self-worth. <laughs> and I said, you know what? This is a big question for me. Let me poll everyone I know and people I don't know and see how they cultivate and create their self-worth. And it has been this amazing journey. Um, I just culminated my 41st, culminated season one with my 41st episode. Um, and it was, it was such an amazing ride and it was so beautiful to hear 41 different versions of how people define self-worth and no one defined it the same way. Um, and that's kind of this amazing thing about self-worth and, and being on a journey to learn how to cultivate it in myself consistently. I wouldn't say constantly. I think constantly is not necessarily possible, but having this consistent connection with the idea that I am of value and that I am worthy of everything I experience in my life. And um, that's what I think makes us all worthiness warriors, those that want to those that want to go out and cultivate their self-worth and those that don't even know they're searching for it or have already found it and access it consistently. And I think we all have the ability to be a worthiness warrior or a worthiness warrior, excuse me. Um, and, and that we just need to tap into it for ourselves. Yeah. I think that's just very, very spot on all across the board. And I'm a musician and I love going to shows and everything like that. And I think concerts, which thankfully I've gotten to go to a couple in the past couple of weeks, right before our city shuts down again, which is going to be great, but a nice little mix of it. But I think that's like such a good sort of microcosm of not really caring what other people think. Like if you go to a concert and you see someone just like dancing, like singing their hearts out, they don't care who's around them. And when you get lost in that yourself, I think that's like a good tangential combination of knowing yourself. You're like, I'm into this. This is what I enjoy. I want to express that. And that ties back to self-worth too. If you're worried about what someone else is thinking of you, you're never going to get 100% of your full self. You've just got to be who you are. And that that goes along the journey for sure. Yes, that's such a beautiful comparison. That's because, and I always like it, but popped into my mind at that moment is my husband. I think the reason I married him and the reason the universe put us together is because he he does not care what anyone thinks. He will sing in public. He can't sing, by the way. Sorry, baby, but he can't <laughs> sing. And he will sing in public. He will dance. He'll stand on railings and throw it. He just doesn't care. And it is, I feel like he's my my major case study is because it's like, it's such an amazing thing. And like at a concert, I would be the person that's like, okay, I'm going to stand in my little space and, you know, move back and forth. And he'll be the person that's like throwing his arms and dancing around. And I so long to continue to develop my self-worth to the point where I'm like, yeah, just let it all hang out at a concert. Um, That's such a great comparison. I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's so fun to see. And, and there's, yeah, there's definitely people who are like kind of more in their little space, but I'm like, I still see Like I still see the head bobs or I still see the toe tap and like they're, they're getting oh, yeah. in it. They just might not be as as rambunctious. And as a a tall, sometimes clumsy man, I do <laughs> I do have to worry. I occasionally have to keep an eye out and make sure I'm not bumping into anyone. But I think I'm pretty <laughs> well, good at avoiding that. So we have that in common too. I am very clumsy, so I can only dance if it's choreographed. <laughs> I say. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, do you have a a favorite dance? Hmm. Oh goodness. Um. I by. I've trained in all different kinds of all different styles. Um, ballet is what I keep up with the most. Um, right now, I would say, though, my favorite dance is a good dance in your car. Because um, <laughs> that that's what I really love. That's the time I think I let myself the most. I, I really, I am the most free when I'm dancing is when I'm sitting in my car jamming to a song I don't care who's pulling up next to me in traffic. Um, 
I hope they get joy from it and just let it, let it all hang out in the car. But I guess if, I mean, I don't know of a favorite dance, but I, I, I do a lot of ballet. I love ballet. Um, I would say because I'm a musical theater nerd, any kind of like musical theater dance, a little bit of Fosse, um, tapping. I love to tap. I, yeah, I, I love it all. That's really hard to pin down. <laughs> very, very impressive all around. And you, you mentioned, this is something that I, I need to have happen in my life at least one time is to be jamming out to a song and either pull up next to, or have someone pull up next to me listening to the same song and also jamming out, which I feel yes. like it's, it's maybe, I mean, it's certainly harder nowadays because beyond like the eight radio stations that <laughs> we had growing up, like now yeah. it's all there's Sirius XM. There's uh, obviously everyone or a lot of people have Bluetooth in their cars. So, you know, they could be listening. They're maybe listening to a podcast. I'd love to see someone jamming out to a podcast. I think that'd be delightful, but <laughs> You know, hasn't, I'll just, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I'll just come to Austin and drive around constantly playing one song and see if we run yes. into each other. <laughs> yes, let's. Yeah, we'll pick like a playlist of five songs, so it's somewhat organic, and then <laughs> exactly. hopefully we're synced up together. It'll be great. That's awesome. Now you also mentioned that you've got a book coming out May 2022 called yes. Inexplicably Me, and. First of all, that's a very long time away. So how do you contain the excitement for, Ugh. what is this, nine months until, until it comes out? You have no idea how hard it is. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm i so excited. I was submitting to publishers last year thinking, I'm going to self-publish. There's no way I'm actually going to get a publisher. And then the incredible HCI books took me on and they'll, they'll be publishing my book in May. And they announced, they gave me in May of this year saying it's going to come out May of next year. And so I've just basically been sitting on hot coals constantly. Um, <laughs> but I'm really excited. I think it's good. It gives me something to build towards, to lead up to, um, continue to build my audience so that, you know, I can make the book as successful as possible and do a lot of other things that I love in the meantime. So it's good. I think I cannot wait to hold my book in my hands. And I think right now I spend most of my time just dreaming of my very first book signing. So it gives me a lot of time to dream about the future <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, but I, I know I am anxiously awaiting May 17th of 2022. <laughs> Do you just have pages and pages of, of signature practicing of like <laughs> writing, writing your name? Oh, and you know, I have to practice. My name's so freaking long. I have to decide, is it going to be initials? Is it going to be all the names? There will be some of the names. I've I've gone back and forth many times, um, but that's actually a good idea. I think I really should start practicing. You know, I, oh my gosh, my family's going to think I'm crazy, but I totally am going to practice my signature. I haven't yet, but I will soon. <laughs> I remember sitting next to someone and I think it was in middle school, one of my classmates, and she would always, like her notebooks were just full of her, full of her signing her Name, oh, yes. just like practicing her signature and I was like I wonder if that's come in handy yeah. <laughs> I know I always think my signature looks like such a mess when I sign checks or when I sign a like a receipt at a at a restaurant or something mm -hmm. my my signature looks like such a mess I don't even know that any of my family will look at and be like is that your name do we know that's your name so <laughs> I guess I should get much more specific so people actually know it's my name maybe I should have practiced when I was in middle school and high school that I, so that I'd be prepared now because now I'm just like out to sea here <laughs> without yeah, a build those skills early on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So are, is the book officially done or can you, are you still making some like final tweaks, a little, you know, one more proofread or are you just like, it's, it's, it's out there. So the scary, the scary thing happened about two weeks ago, I sent off my final draft, um, which was just a crazy experience. I felt like it was like an out of body experience. Um, you know, I, I did the very final edits that my editor asked for. It still has to go through a copy editor and a proofreader, but there won't be any more for me to do. Um, so that is a little bit scary. I was sitting, we were driving from Nuremberg, where my husband's from, to uh, Amsterdam. It's a seven-hour car ride, and we were in 
two different cars and I was sitting, it was just me and my dad's in one car. And I, I read through all of the final changes I made to them for two and a half hours. They're troopers. And they listened to the whole thing and I submitted it from the car and it's out there. It's, I, I no longer have hands on it. So now I just have to uh, sit back and, and try and let go, which I'm not great at doing either. So we'll see how that goes. Did you find in the editing process that you have a certain quirk uh, when with your writing? Because I learned I'm also writing a book, and the I the dialogue apparently I start a lot of sentences with "well," mm. even though I don't say that in real life. But <laughs> when it came back from an editor, he like specifically called it out. He's like, "You start like I think it was like 21 sentences with well like throughout this oh book." My gosh. I was like, "Oh, I'm like, thank you for pointing that out because I never would have seen that." Yeah, I, it was really funny. I totally, you're so right. I do have, have absolutely have a quirk and it's sim- like a similar thing as starting sentences. I would always, I break the, what is that? The fourth wall. I break the fourth wall a lot in my book and talk directly to the reader. And so I address the reader a lot, but I would address them with like weird phrases. Be like, so you see, which I've never said in my life. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, or I, I, I would randomly get just much more formal than I am um, normally. And so my editor's like, maybe you just take those out. And so, yeah, I definitely have those. It's starting sentences are hard because otherwise you start every sentence with I, especially if you're writing a book about yourself and you're like, this is, I need to add some variety. And so I guess um, as I was trying to find some variety, I, I, I had the wrong kind of variety. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, definitely book writing is a journey. It's a, it's exciting how I can, I have so many questions for you, but um, I will save them for now about your writing journey. That's awesome. Yes, I, I am always fascinated to talk with other people. And one other book element that I think is very critical, especially because I have no design skills of my own, but the cover. Mm. People, when they're seeing it in a bookstore, they're seeing it online. Maybe they're just scrolling through their phones and they've got the like one and a half inch thumbnail to yes. look at. So. What was your process like for finding the right cover? So this is fascinating. I This is obviously the first time I've worked with a publisher. Um, and it, it was kind of a crazy process because they decided, they sent me a couple of cover options. They'd asked me to send them some options of covers that I liked. So I used a couple of different authors that have done memoirs in the last few years that I know I've read or covers that I'm attracted to and sent those over. And it was just really crazy because when they first came back, I was like, this is not at all what I had in mind. (laughs) And, and I envisioned it so many times and it just, I mean, I looked at Dami and I was like, no, no, I don't like any of them. And he's like, okay, okay, let's, let's look at them a little closer before you have a full blown panic attack. Um, (laughs) And so I, I printed out each of the different options and I started to just look at them more carefully. And thankfully, Dami has a really good design eye as well. And so we kind of looked at things together. I talked to my family a little bit. I talked to Mecky Media, Michelle Mecky, who runs the PR team that I work with and said like, you know, you, you guys know about this stuff. What catches your eyes with the book? And so I I really wanted it to be colorful and playful and fun and feel like when you look at this, you're looking at some version of me. Um, and like, I, I would say I'm a handful and I'm, I'm loud and outgoing. And, and when I walk into a room, you know, and so I wanted that book, my book to have the same feel. And it, it very much ended up that way. They did an amazing job and it's, it all came, it was only two versions later. Um, from one of the covers that I said, okay, I think I like this one the best. And I sent it back and forth with my editor a couple of times and literally in two versions, they got it beautifully and perfectly. And I will, all I'll say is it's bright yellow, um, which I just love. And so it was a fascinating process. I think one of the hardest things about it was that 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 felt like this is your f- the first thing you see of the book and it's going to decide you know for people whether or not they're going to pick it up off the shelf or not and it felt so important and i had to really tell myself 
the people that are supposed to read this book are going to find this book, whatever the cover is. And yes, from a marketing standpoint, you want it to look a certain way. You want it to attract people a certain way. Um, but I really need to go with my gut and go with something that makes me happy and trust that the right people are going to get access to this book. And so I think between myself, between the designer that's at the publishing house, we really, really encapsulated so much of the emotion inside of the book, right on the outside. And um, yeah, there's a big old rainbow on there too. So it's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, I, and eventually it became exactly what I wanted it to be over a span of like one week, which is pretty crazy. Um, it happened so quickly. I had to make decisions so quickly. It was so hard for me. Um, but it was ultimately, it really does feel like my heart is on that cover and I, yeah, overwhelming and very exciting. That's a, a very quick turnaround of just one week. Well done. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it was only because I had to, they, they were meeting with a bunch of book buyers on a Monday and it was, they sent me like the first version of the Tuesday before. And they're like, sorry, we're rushing, but we need it by Monday. I was like, okay, I guess you really do need a decision for me. So I don't know that I would have been that fast otherwise. <laughs> and I think that's a good, a good call out as well of keeping it true to yourself while also considering the marketing elements of things that actually just reminded me of a, a tweet. One of my coworkers shared and I, deftly pulled it up. I was very impressed with how quickly oh, I got to this, but it's from it's from Lee Stefan, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But he said, there's only 10 types of books, and it's a short Twitter thread. And it's just uh, like a mosaic of all the different sort of uh, tropes, I guess, for book covers that you'll see out there. And this certainly isn't every book, but it is kind of a good showcase. Like there's the profile silhouette, where it's like a silhouette of someone with the title inside yes. of it. There's nests. <laughs> There's girls with glasses, animal silhouettes, shoes, and like things like that. And they all just have, I think it's, what is this, like 24, 25 covers for each of them, just side by side with each other, which I think shows how, first of all, how many books there are out there, but also how similar some covers are. And so to have one that maybe borrows elements from that, but is uniquely your own, I think does help it stand out. I hope so. I, it's so funny because I love, I love when you said girls with glasses. It's like that's, I envision, <laughs> I envision that as my book cover, which doesn't have anything to do with the content, but it looks so cute. Um, you know, and it is, I, I hope that one of my, one of my biggest inspirations is Glennon Doyle. And she is this, if you haven't read her book, Untamed, go read it right now. It's an amazing, amazing book. Um, but I love, I love the the outside so perfect, the outside, the cover so perfectly reflected everything that she was writing about inside. And I was like, how do you make that happen? And I'm so grateful for my publisher because they made that happen because I had no idea even where to start. It would be, if, if it were me, I'd be like, I'd have the silhouette and the nest and the girls with glasses. And how do we get everything in there? And then two, two dads holding hands and then a picture of my husband. So I think it's a great thing that I wasn't designing it myself because we would have ended up with my middle school collage on the front of it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's such a, the marketing is so important. The personal element is so important. And it's, and I think, you know, this is my first book. It's the first time I feel like I've put something, me, my whole life story (laughs) out for people (laughs) to read. (laughs) So it's like, oh, it's a little scary, but it's, uh, I feel very grateful for the help that I I got because alone it never would look as good as it's going to on May 17th of 2022. So, yeah. Well, I think that might segue nicely, although we kind of have been talking on this, but I always like to ask a question you wish you were asked more frequently. We've talked a ton about what you do for a living, but who are you beyond what you do for a living? That's such a great question. I think I always wished people had asked me this question when I was in real estate because I felt like what I did was so not who I was. Um, And what I do now is a lot more aligned with who I am as a person, but I always wish that people cared more about what, who, who people are. And so, you know, I always say I'm a, I am a little bit goofy, a little bit silly. I am a wife. I am a mother to an adorable Cavapoo puppy named Mo. Um, I am the daughter of two incredible men. I am a big lover. I love everyone I come into contact with, even if that sounds crazy, it is true because I believe you don't need to know a person to love them. And 
I'm just someone that wants to, I want to travel the world. I want to know, as get to know as many incredible humans as possible. I am someone that loves, I'm, I'm a very, I don't know if I'm a very introverted extrovert or a very extroverted introvert, but <laughs> I, I am still, I'm a, I'm a cancer. So I, I like to go out into the world to be very social. And then I like to come home to my home base and sit alone with a cup of tea, uh, and be quiet. And so I, I feel like I'm, I always say I'm a creation of impossibilities. I'm a creation of all these things. No one thought were possible. And yet here I am. And so that's who I am besides what I do. But I feel like what I do now is very much aligned with who I am as a person. But I think we're all a little bit more than what we wake up and get ready for every day. Creation of impossibilities is great. That's like a good band name too. So if your next <laughs> your next project is starting a band, there's your name. <laughs> oh, that, that, you know, if I if I ever start a band, that is a great I will take that absolutely. That's a, that's true. I haven't I haven't thought about using it that way. That's a great idea. Excellent. I only ask for 8% royalties, so very, very <laughs> modest fee. That's, well, it's good. At least it was recorded first here. So Yes, you know. getting the scoop here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll Amazing. be your hype man. It'll be good. I love it. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, Chelsea, you're almost off the hook, but we always have to end with a top three. And for you, since you are a creation of impossibilities, a bastion of energy, very inspirational all across the board. This past year, past year and a half, it's been it's been rough. People have been, I mean, we've talked about it. They've been hanging out at home, same in, same thing day in, day out. Maybe feeling like they're in a little bit of a rut. So what are your top three ways to get out of that rut? Oh, yes. I love it. Um, and thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you. Um, but I always think of my top three ways to get out of a rut is to first change up your routine. I think especially during COVID or really any time in life, we are, I am such a creature of habit. And I feel like many of us are so comfortable in our routines. And even if we love our routines, sometimes they're not serving us. And so it's not that you need to go out and be like, I'm going to create an entirely new schedule for myself. But if you can find one thing in the day, that's a little bit different than what you always do. If you always go to the same place for lunch, go somewhere else. Or if I, for me, it was like this kind of magical, (laughs) I don't know if it's just because I've been stuck inside for so long, but when I finally decided, I think I'm going to go work in a coffee shop today. Um, and I went and worked in a coffee shop. I was, I had so much more like inspiration come through and, and the possibilities felt endless from this like one hour in a coffee shop. And so I think changing your routine, even in a tiny, tiny way can be so incredibly helpful to just kind of start to see new possibilities. And one of my favorite things is number two, to do one thing you've never done before. And it's not like I, I can't think of a new thing to do every single day, but like I started a few months ago taking flying lessons and I'm pursuing my private pilot's license right now because my sweet husband decided that would be a good idea. And I'm still only <laughs> slightly terrified, but, um, but it, it was something that I'd never done before. And again, just, it allowed me to see the world. And I mean, quite literally in a different way, I was up above the clouds, but, um, just trying one thing. I mean, even playing a board game you've never played before meeting friends and, and going to a park that you've never been to before. I just think seeing something new, doing something new and, and, and kind of forcing your brain to have to think of something new to do is inherently what getting out of a rut is. So I think finding things we've never done before, or maybe have only done a few times or did a decade ago, I think that is always a great way to kind of get out of that regular rut, regular routine. And then always, whether or not I'm trying to get out of a rut or if I'm comfortable in the rut, (laughs) my favorite and third way out is finding ways to incorporate fun and joy into my everyday. And I think we, I feel like we don't appreciate fun enough. I feel like if we think we're having fun, we're somehow not doing life right. Like we're not working hard enough or we're not 
you know, nose to the grindstone. It, and I think the amazing thing about incorporating fun and joy into your everyday is like those uplifting feelings, that time you've spent just going, I'm going to go out and have some fun today. And, and even looking at the world from that perspective inherently draws you out of whatever it is you're used to doing. And so I, you know, fun can be, can mean anything and whatever you define fun as is a way to get, is a way to incorporate fun and joy. Um, you get to define those for yourself, defining everything in your life for yourself is absolutely within your power. And so I think finding those ways to incorporate joy and fun, doing something you've never done before and changing up your routine or your environment in a small way are my top three favorite ways to get out of a rut. Boom. Those ruts were officially unstuck from them. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of pressure, but we'll see. I like, <laughs> I it. Have you, I like ha- it. Have you done your, your something new today? So today, what have we done today? Um, oh my goodness. Yes, actually, I walked through a field today through three different small in, in German, you call them a dwarf, which I guess is a dwarf, which is a village. Um, but there are three different villages today. And I had no idea where I was going, which is very unlike me. I'm a little bit of a control freak. And so today I let someone else take charge and just wandered through the field for like two and a half hours. And that was new for me today. That sounds lovely. It was beautiful. And it was actually very nice to relinquish control. So I might start doing that more often. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, for the people that want to, I was trying to make a great segue with control, but I don't know if I (laughs) have one, who want to control where they go to find you. Where can, they, where can they find you? <laughs> they can find me. Everything is on my website, chelseaaustin.com. That has two A's in the middle there. And on there, you can find my Instagram, which is at chelseaaustin. MDW. Um, it has my blog, my podcast, Worthiness Warriors is on there, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts and information about my book as well as, and my courses that I've been working on. My flip the script course is also on my website. Everything can be found at the hub. That is chelseaaustin.com. And yeah, it's a, it, it's a good time. So that's where you can find me. Always love a good hub. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed getting to know you today. And I look forward to the next time we can talk. Likewise. And of course, we got to end with a corny joke, as we always do. I love it. What was a more important invention than the first telephone? What? The second one. <laughs> Get after it today, people. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 